of our series that I do every year called What's Next. It's, again, it's a foundational thing for us. It's, it's really everything we do. And we've been talking about this statement for the last couple of weeks, that our why comes from God's wants. Well, what does God want for you? The Bible is very clear that God has promises, and those promises is what God wants for us. The Bible's full. There's hundreds and hundreds of promises, but they really all boil down to the four that we, that we talk about just about every week. They're on the signs out front, and that is our know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. See, our why comes from those promises that he's given to us. So to really tell us what he wants, we say it this way. If you've missed this in the last couple of weeks, we've been doing this every week just so we can get it in our brains. He wants lost people saved. He wants people who don't know God, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, to know him. Then once they're saved, he wants those saved people pastored. He doesn't want to just pull you out of the mud and leave you dirty. He wants to pull you out. Now he begins to heal you and bring life to you and bring freedom to you. So we're pastoring those people. He wants pastor people trained. He wants your gifts to be used for the kingdom. He didn't give it to you, and the Bible's very clear, you'll see in a minute. He's given us all gifts. He doesn't want your gifts just to be wasted and not used. They're given to you to reach people for him. And then he wants trained people mobilized. He wants us doing something. He wants us to make a difference. And not just an earthly difference, that's good, but he wants us to make an eternal difference and get us mobilized. And that's what we would say in that last section we'll talk about next week and even in Project 216 of how we are making a difference. So we've been talking about these four steps, and the first one is know God. That's God's promise of salvation. It stands alone from all the rest of them, and you need to know that this is God's highest priority because nothing else happens. Nothing else good of God can happen in your life until you walk that step out. And meet Jesus. It all starts here, but it's not the end of the game. That's just the beginning. Then he says, I want you to find freedom. God's promise is, I'm going to free you. I'm going to get you out of the mess that, you in, that you're in. And then once you're out, I'm going to begin to take the chains off of you. Begin to let your past be healed and your yesterdays not dictate your future. It's about quality of life here on earth. And then today we're going to talk about this one. Discovering purpose. God's promise in Exodus says this. It says, I'll redeem you. And his promise is restoration. Now, don't think restoration like some of you may if you... Um, some, I know some of you are into cars, and I've said this before, that I've always wanted to have a fully restored 65 convertible Mustang. Just the one you keep in the garage and drive it when you want just because you can. Now, I don't because I'm probably too cheap to do it, but that's what I would like. But we need to understand that restoration is just not taking something that's old, slapping some Bondo and some paint on it, and then calling it restored. See, God doesn't just kind of patch you up. The Bible's very clear that this word, and we're not going to get into the Greek, but what it talks about in this verse here, I will redeem you with outstretched arms and with a mighty act of judgment. What he's talking about is some miraculous stuff. Because the things that should destroy you will no longer destroy you. The wounds that, we sh- that you have encountered because you've been wounded physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, that a lot of us wear on our face. And when people say, oh, I went through this and I went through this, we would think, okay, well, I don't see it in your face. I don't see it in your life. Well, the reason you don't is because God did something with his mighty arm. There's something supernatural that the person who 
who survived an abusive relationship now is full of joy and bubbly. Why is that? Because God put them back. To restore means God puts you back to your created purpose. That before sin got on you, before hurt and pain got on you, you were that brand new shiny Mustang right off the lot or right out of the production facility. That's what, the, that's what this word actually translates to. So God's word is redeem, which means he, to redeem you, he had to repurchase you. Because the Bible says when sin came, it kind of took us from God. God repurchased us through his son Jesus. And then he says, under the blood of Jesus, you will be restored. See, a lot of us have trouble with this. A lot of us struggle with this idea and every year, if you're here for Easter, we did it this year. And coming up in November, we're going to do the You Asked For It series again. And what that is, is during Easter, because that's the one Sunday that most of you are here, we do a survey of topics you've been thinking about, things you've been praying about, what, what might you want to hear a series on. And the top two almost every year is handling stress. Apparently, I don't do very well at teaching all that because y'all are some stressed out people. And the second one is, why am I on this planet? What's my purpose? Is my purpose bigger than just getting up in the morning, punching the clock in, serving my time, punching out, going home, and just repeat? Is that my purpose? So it's something that we obviously struggle with. See, God's cleaning us. It's not just cleaning us up. He's putting us back to showroom new. And the reason I think we struggle with it is because there's a value question. Am I really worth that? Or I've been dinged and damaged and now this Mustang has got a big dent in the door. And is, it, is it really worth what it was new? And we think God fixing it and bondoing it. But God says, no, I've bought you completely back. I've completely restored you. And he takes you to that point in your life. Well, then let me ask you this question. And I... I think this is a shocking statistic. Why then do 80% of Christians, of people who know Jesus, 80% of people, they go through, they know God, and they get stuck in this finding freedom phase. They never let their yesterdays be healed, and so they never walk in their purpose. They never live out the God reason God created them. They struggle with this idea that I have value. Let me tell you why. I think the reason why is because we see ourselves much lower than the God who created us. We see ourselves as, oh, I'm somehow damaged. I'm somehow not perfect. I hear it all the time when, I, when people find out what I do. We begin to talk about standing. It always comes back to one of two things. I'm not a Christian, so I don't want to talk to you about Jesus. Or they begin to talk about, I don't know how you stand up and talk in front of people every week. I just would stand up there and just stare at people because I wouldn't know what to say. And then they start going, well, there's this, there's this somehow projected image of, like, I got it all together. That's how I do it. Well, let me tell you something, guys. I don't. I don't have it all together. But it doesn't change my purpose. Because the truth of the matter is you can never be removed from your purpose. No matter how, and please hear my heart, because somebody's struggling with this today. No matter how much you think you've screwed up, no matter how, how God said go right and you went left, 
Even had a buddy years ago who told me, I'll never be able to do what God wants me to do, what he created me to do. He goes, because five years ago, after a rough time in my life, I hit rock bottom. And he said to me, I stood in my house, I flipped God off and said, God, I'm done with you. He was hurt, mad. He had been done and done wrong and justifiably hurt, but it, it got to that place. He said, Clint, I don't think, I know God loves me, but it had to just cap my, my potential in, for God. And I said this same thing to him. Bro, you can never be removed from your purpose. You were created for a reason, and that reason doesn't change just because we screw it up. See, my value is not based on what I do, but what he did. Let me say that again, because that was a great place. Todd was the only one that got it. Let's try it again. My value is not based on the good things I can do or the bad things I can do, but my value is based on what he did. I still don't think y'all are hearing me. Because if you did, you'd stand up and go, thank you, Jesus. Because you would realize that what you've done and what you've said and where you've been doesn't remove, remove you from what God has for you. Because what he did is he, 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 re, he repurchased you. He redeemed you. The Bible says that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and by the what? Anybody know it? The Revelation says, by the word of our testimony. That what redeems me is God pulls me out and then how I get better is I begin to tell people my story. That's why we do small groups. That's why we what we call grow groups. Great, your Bible studies are great. Your time together is great. Your breakfast time is great. All the things that the groups do. But the thing that makes life get better is when you tell your story. And the person who thinks they could never make it goes, I was in that spot. Maybe I can do this. Because my value is not based on what I do, it's based on what he's done. So I have value. People tell me, well, God would never want me representing him because of the things I've said and the things I've done. And sometimes it's very public. Everybody knows what I did. Everybody knows what I said. It doesn't change God. See, we don't discover our purpose because a lot of us think God wouldn't want me out front. We don't see the greatness that God sees. Your actions... If you really want to be honest, we'll get it down to this. Your actions, good or bad, will never overcome the issue, the problem. The only way that happens is what he did. That's Jesus coming to say, well, hey, they messed up, but I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to redeem them, and then we're going to send them out to do what I created them to do. Let me give you some reasons we don't discover our purpose. <clears throat> the first one is this. We fight this word, inferiority. We fight this, well, you're the pastor. You can stand on stage and you can read scripture and you can sit in a room and, and talk people through life. And, you know, God listens to you, but me, he doesn't listen to me. No, you're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. I had somebody tell me one time, well, as soon as you open your mouth, God listens. I said, you're right. But you're not finishing the statement. As soon as you open your mouth, the Bible says of God that his ear is inclined. That most of us, if you have kids or even nephews and nieces and people that are close to you, as soon as they say, hey, you know that voice, 
and you listen. As soon as the, the child's voice says, hey, they don't wonder what she's talking about. Or who is this person? Why are they making noise? They know exactly who it is. When your child, your teenager, calls you on the phone. How many of you have teenagers that can do this? Your teenager calls you on the phone, and you say hello, and they say three words. And in three words, you know exactly if this is going to be a good conversation, or they've wrapped the truck around a tree and somebody's in trouble. Right? Kids, I'm telling you, don't think you can fool your parents. They know. I remember calling my mom, and I'd pick up, she'd answer, and my, especially my dad. And, and he'd answer the phone, and I'd say, Dad, he'd go, what'd you do? He knew from just dad. You see, we, we get lost in this idea that somehow I'm not worth it. Or, or we can hide it. See, the definition of inferior is, is this idea that somehow I'm in a condition of being lower in quality and lower in status than everybody else. We see it here all the time. We still see it in life. We see it in community. We see it. There are people who still think that they're black, they're white, and black or white's better than the other, or I'm better than the other based on where I live, or better than you based on where. But we take the opposite. We think, well, I'm inferior. I'm lower in status. And I'm going to tell you, you feel this way because of your scars. Well, God can't use me, and he can use Lauren and Miss Alma, and they can sing on stage because they don't have what I have. Oh, no, I promise you. They would be the first people to tell you. Oh, no, I've, I've got scars. But I've let God heal me. I've let God bring freedom where I used to be in bondage. Because the truth of the matter is you can't live out your purpose until you settle your yesterdays, until you find freedom, until you let God heal you from the hurt, until you... Let that some people here, and I, it hurts me to they don't even acknowledge this, but some of you are here because maybe you were hurt by another church or hurt by another pastor. We can't go to our yesterdays until you can go, listen, I forgive them, and I'm going to go forward and let God heal my yesterday. I tell this in people all the time when, we talk, when I counsel people in marriage, and you've heard me tell the story. I had somebody come to me, and they'd been married like seven, eight times. And this particular person was a female. And she said, I just don't know. Do I choose bad ones? And I was like, well. <laughs> I said, but truth, and I asked her this question. I said, what's the one common thing between all of your marriages? From number one to number, you know, we lost count. What's the one common thing? And she began to name this issue and that issue and this issue and that issue. I was like, no, you're missing it. The one common thing is you. No matter how terrible they were, one through eight, you. And there, it's going to keep happening until you heal your yesterdays. You're never going to find that purpose. In her case, was wanting to have a marriage and wanting to have a healthy whole marriage. Until you heal your yesterdays, you're just taking your baggage from one house to another. You're selling your house and buying the house next door and then taking all of your crap from this house and just moving it next door. And then several months later, you just do it again. See, a lot of us don't live out our purpose because we don't settle our yesterdays. We don't really believe what God has planned for us. Look what Ephesians 2 says. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's masterpiece, the one who created us. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus came, he restored us so that we can do what? I highlighted it for you here. So we can do the good things. 
See, whether you believe it or not, he's got good things planned for you to do. And if you really want to know what that translates to, planned long ago, that means before you were even born, before you were even conceived, God had plans for you. He still sees you as capable. God still sees you as capable of doing great things, no matter where you may find yourself in life right now. The second reason we don't is we what I call following diversions. It's this map of life. Let me say it this way. It's this stage that maybe today you find yourself in, this chapter of life. And again, I'm going to ask for a little honesty here. And you don't have to be now, but how many of you at any point of your life has found yourself in a chapter of life and you're pretty sure God didn't write that story? I'll raise both hands. Like at some point you picked up the pen and said, God, I got this and this is how I want things to go. And you begin writing your story and then suddenly you find everything's gone to, gone to pot. And then we, well, God, why did you do that? Well, I, God says, I didn't do it, you did it. And we follow these diversions, but they don't have to be what I call the bright and shinies. Everything in life that's bright and shiny is not good. But everything that's not God doesn't mean it's bad, it's just not God. See, we follow these diversions with work. We put God aside and we work and we neglect our families and we, we go career and we just kind of let God go to the side. Some of that drives us into money. And the money we need because we've got to do the hobbies. And the hobbies we do provide, create problems. And then sometimes the problems are compounded because we walk through tragedy. Maybe in a relationship. And there may be something that you had nothing to do with, no choice in the matter. Tragedy just arrived. You see, it's that part of your story that you're pretty sure that God didn't write, but it's because we picked up the pen or we followed that bright and shiny thing. You see, God's redeeming us, and what that looks like in this stage is God's canceling the plans that the devil's had for you. He's got you going on a path following him, and then suddenly we take a left turn because something bright and shiny catches our eye. For me, it's the squirrel. You know, that conversation you're talking about, stop signs, and then all of a sudden the signs, you just like, squirrel? You know, I do it to Melanie all the time. She goes, back up. I don't know what you're talking about because you never finished your thought. So mentally I have to rewind and go, okay, I was talking about stop signs when I started talking about birds in the sky. A lot of us do that with God. We're, we're going along and all of a sudden we just hang a left because something bright and shiny catches our eye because priorities are out of whack. The work, the money, the hobbies, the problems, the tragedy. And then we, we get distracted and some of us... And even have told me this. He's clear, I've gone too far. Again, my value is so low, God doesn't hold it up to me. I'm not holding up to God's level, so he must not have my purpose anymore. He must not have anything for me to do anymore. Why am I here? Why, why should I stay here? Because God, he's got nothing for me. Look what the Bible says. And this is out of the Romans, this is out of the message paraphrase. But I love the way this reads. That God's gifts and his call, that purpose in your life and the things he gives you to complete those call, are under full warranty, never canceled, and never rescinded. See, we change, God doesn't. 
We get distracted. God doesn't. We go on and follow diversion. We think we're inferior and can't be used. But for those of you who maybe are figuring out what God means in your life, please hear my... If you, if you take nothing else today, hear this. If you're watching online, lean in a little closer. God never gives up on you. It seems so simple and basic, and we say amen, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe it's true for other people? Because we are quick to write people off. You did me wrong. I'm erasing you from my life. Right? Now in, in our society, we do what? Yep. Oh, wait, it didn't, it didn't delete. Oh, wait, now they're on Instagram. Delete. Snapchat, delete. Annoying chat, delete. And we just, we delete them off our phones and, we, and they're out of sight, out of mind. Aren't you glad God can't do that to us? That we screw up and God goes, yeah. I pick on Jimmy because he's always up here front. Yeah, Jimmy blew it. So, God, what do you think today? Oh, wait, you know, there's Keith. Oh, yep, Keith. Let's go on and go on with life. Yeah, we do that to ourselves and we do it to people. Because look what Romans says in Romans 12. He begins to tell us, hey, you've got different gifts. And you've give, I've given you each gift, so don't be writing people off. See, there's this term hijacked, hijacked by weird people. So just kind of glance to your left and your right. One of them's weird. There's this term called spiritual gifts. And when we come to church and we hear spiritual gifts, everybody just clenches up and gets nervous. Like, oh God, here he goes. He's going to talk about something crazy. See, it's not. Romans says that we have spiritual gifts, but it simply comes from this word. That word charis is a Greek word that simply means this, to be charismatic. Another word that people have hijacked to mean, that's crazy church. They're charismatic. They're crazy. See, it doesn't mean that. Charis just means this, a grace gift. What's grace? Something you don't deserve. Well, what's a gift? Something that's given to you freely. So put them together. It's something you don't deserve that God gave to you. He didn't have to help us. He didn't have to give us gifts. He didn't have to give us abilities. He didn't have to. He could have said, no, you screwed up. I'm going to fix you and save you, and then y'all figure it out. But he didn't. The Bible says that he's given us each a gift. This term's been hijacked by, by people who, and we blame God. Well, those people are crazy. They do crazy stuff with God. No, they were crazy before God ever showed up. Those are those people like you get to heaven like, God, bad day? What happened with this guy? You know? They're, they're crazy people, but we blame God. And so it keeps us from moving forward. See, God puts these gifts in all of us. So here's how you discover your purpose. We're going to do this real quick. I won't hold you over, I promise. So here's how it goes. The first thing you got to do is discover your gift. If you don't know what it is, that's your starting place. Well, how do I do that, Clint? How do I figure it out? The best way to discover your gift is to get closer to the one who designed you, who created you. Why? Because... Your design reveals your destiny. 
God created you for a purpose. And I don't know if you think this or not. Some of us think that we're smarter than God, but he's, he's a smart dude. And he's figured out, oh, I'm going to create this and give it this characteristics and this abilities so it can create and do a purpose. God's not messed up. Some of you, you know, I call it the American Idol Syndrome. It's new, relatively new in society. And that is, we think we're good at stuff, but we're really not. But everybody's too nice to tell us that we're terrible, right? It's the kids singing on stage, and mom's like, oh, that was wonderful. And the rest of us are like, oh, come on. There's nothing wonderful about that. See, the one who created says, no, you're, maybe this may not be your thing. And we actually have done this with people here. Come in and say, hey, I want to do this. And they realize, this is not my gift, but I'm really good at this. And we begin to shift them over. I'm going to give you a visual example. Look at this. This is the Bell as 75710. For those of you who care, like I do, it carries 450 tons. It is 85 feet long. It's almost as long as this building. 27 feet high, 33 foot wide, and thing can still run 25 miles an hour. It costs $7.5 million. The stock model. What is this created to do? Haul what? Anything it wants. And a lot of it. Right? Is it obvious by looking at this what it was designed to do? What its destiny is going to be? Yeah, it's easy. I can look. It's going to be hauling whatever it wants and what? A lot of it. This is the largest dump truck in the world. And it's been that way for, I think, 10 years now. Its design reveals its destiny. Now, let me give you another one. This is the AgriFab 45-03-03. Some of you probably have this in the shed behind you. Now, get this. Y'all ready? This is big. It will hold a maximum of 350 pounds. It is 41 inches by 31 inches by 12 inches high. And you can have it delivered to you in two days from Amazon for a whopping 150 bucks. 7.5, 150. Now, does this design, is it anything different than that? No. This design tells you it's going to be hauling a little bit of stuff around behind your, your yard tractor at your house. They're not going to buy these to mine coal. And as crazy as all this sounds, the same is true for us. You were built for a reason. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Don't believe me? Look at this. Psalms chapter 139. This is King David talking. He's talking to God. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He created you. He put a purpose in there. He gave you gifts and abilities. And then David goes on and says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well do I know it? So once you discover your gifts, the second thing you need to do is now you need to develop your gifts. This is what I, part of my job that I like doing. I like helping people not only figure it out, but how can I get better at it? We're doing things now. If you've heard me say this once, I'll say it a thousand times. We do things here as much as we can very intentionally, not just haphazard. 
the people in the sound booth. Matter of fact, I'm going to pick on her today because she's back there. Miss Katie Bolton. She's an eighth grader. Is running the whole show back there today. Why is she doing that? Because she started out in the other building learning how to do it over there. Then we brought her over here and they begin to teach her and develop her gifts. Katie's not only a great athlete, and I hear she can throw a mean fastball. She also plays the trumpet, and she's got a good ear. So she's learned to run sound, and she can handle all the technology that most of you old people look at us and go. Those are developed gifts. This is what we're doing. How do we do this? Actually, we put a pause right now. You can throw that next slide up. So coming October 23rd, we pushed it back a little bit because I want it right. Instead of our growth track, we're coming to this. This one-step connect. And with the top line is what we're doing. We want to make, help you make believers your home, but I want to go beyond membership to, to helping you be at home, to helping you get better. That we should feel like when you go to your house, that the people there, they want you to get better. Well, the same is true here. That's why we have signs out front. If you didn't notice them, two big blue sign flags that say what? Welcome home. Because we want to help you find that purpose. We want to help you get better. Ushers, bring, uh, praise team, you can do your thing and come on up. See, but you need to know this. You weren't born an expert. And if you think you're born an expert, you got issues. We all had to get better. When our children would come out, they, they were born. We got lots of babies here. Our newest one's over there somewhere. I dare say that this Cody and Heather, when that baby was born, Cody is dadding. Okay, now tomorrow, I need your room clean. I need the yard mowed. What would people think of him if he said that? He's like, you need a nap, bro. You're crazy. But yet we look at, Christians look at other Christians and expect that to be true. You just got saved yesterday. You got it all together. No, you don't. And I don't put that pressure on you either. But we do ask you to help you take one step. Say it with me. From where I am, one step closer to where? To where God wants you to be. Some of you need to go ahead and begin to take that step. And that's part of my job is, is to do things like this, to find a place to get you connected, go beyond membership. Because I'll tell you this, ushers, you can go ahead and get the lights. The two of the greatest days in your life is the day you were born and if you've not experienced this, I'm telling you it's true, you'll experience it. And the day you figured out why. The day you showed up and God's creation took its first breath. And the day you go, this is bigger than me. I'm here to help change life. I'm, I'm here to, because I can, whatever that may be. I can do it. And the third thing we need to do, the reason we discover purpose is this. Do something. Say it again, because that's deep and theological, and I know it's maybe hard to get. But let me say it again. Do something. Everybody in the room has something they can be doing. You hear, if you've been around before, you heard me talk about a lady we had years ago, and her thing was pecan pies. She didn't want to talk to people. She... People wasn't her thing, but she could make a pecan pie and the glory of our risen Savior would come to earth again. She would walk in with the pie and people would stop what they were doing. Now, was it any different than anybody else's? I don't know. I don't make pies. But that was her gift. 
she would just make pies for people and just on a down day bring life to people doing something I think when that's th- when we do things like that the father in heaven looks down and just smiles they're getting it pie smells good but you're getting it because I want you to do this I want you to use your gifts and you've got some time to think about it so if you've not been if you've done step one or step two but not both then you put on your calendar now that date in October 24th and we want you to be there more information will come but I'm telling you now because I want you to be there because I want every gift discovered and I want every gift we'll talk about next week being used so that we can be a part of something bigger than us to make a difference because look what happens when we do first Peter says this God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of gifts use them well to do what serve use them well to do what serve Hebrews says this that God's not unjust he won't forget the work you've done and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and you continue to help them that my purpose your purpose is to serve God by doing what serving others not in my notes but I'll add this for you if you're walking through issues right now and you're struggling in some areas push pause on your problem for a minute find somebody else that has a problem help them meet that need and watch what God does with your stuff I've seen it work time and time again when we begin to focus on what God says is important lost people saved saved people trained trained people pastored, trained, and mobilized. Move. We begin to focus on those things. The things I think are issues in my life become non-issues very quickly. Amen? Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. God, I thank you now. Thank you for those in the room. God, those watching online. Some of you are saying, Clint, I need to start this. If God really sent Jesus to purchase me, I've never done that. I don't know what that means. The Bible simply says this, that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you confess it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, then you know God. And now you can start the process of letting God bring freedom to your life so your yesterdays don't define your tomorrows. And if that's you this morning, just real quick, if that's you, I'm not going to invite you to the front, I'm not going to embarrass you, I just want to pray with you. Just wave at me real quick. I know we'll have some online anymore in the room. Then all right, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus... Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, God, for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that's you and you did that this morning, grab the Connect card in front of you. You can shoot the QR code. But for the rest of you, why don't you stand up with me? We're going to sing one more song. And I think this song is a great fit for today. That he's a good, good father. It's who he is to us. He's the father that created us. We're going to ask you just to let the word settle. We're going to sing this one more song. Don't be in a hurry to run out. You've still got a couple minutes left. Before you do, if you have people, if you have something you want somebody to agree with you and pray with you about, over to my right, your left. We always have a couple over there willing to grab hands and pray. But I'm going to bless you, and then we're going to go discover our purpose and make a difference in our community. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, I thank you for my family. It's an honor that I get to be a part of this team. 
God, I thank you in Jesus' name for changing lives, helping us discover our purpose, Father God, that we begin to make a difference in the world. God, I thank you for that now, that you come have your way. Come have your way in our lives, and we thank you for it now, Father. God, I ask you for those struggling, struggling with, with what their purpose is. God, that you would reveal it to them. God, that you bring life to them, strength to them. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name, we say thank you for it, that you're good to us. And we worship you now. And we thank you in Jesus' name.